listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. My co-host today is Cindy Johnson, Operations Manager for Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Jeremy. This is episode 88 of Lighthearted, scheduled for November 9th, 2020. On November 9th, 1921, the 155-foot American submarine N-4 accidentally rammed a breakwater at Goat Island in Newport, Rhode Island, causing damage to the foundation of the Keeper's House at Newport Harbor Light Station. The light was automated and the Keeper's House was demolished in the following year, and Charles Shoneman retired after 39 years as Keeper. On this date in 1620, the pilgrims aboard the Mayflower first sighted land on Cape Cod. And on this date in 1914, the Austrian-American actress Hedy Lamarr was born. Not only was she a major movie star, but she was also an inventor. She helped develop a radio signal that couldn't be tracked or jammed for radio-controlled torpedoes. She once said, quote, Experts always know everything but the fine points. When I took my citizenship exams, no one there knew how the White House came to be called the White House, unquote. Yeah, so how did the White House come to be called the White House? Well, Jeremy, it was first called the White House by President Teddy Roosevelt in 1901. Before that, it was known by several names, including the Executive Mansion and the President's House. Because most states had executive mansions, Roosevelt felt that the name White House would distinguish it as the home of the President. Wow, you know a lot about the White House. (laughs) Yeah, it's not like anyone gave me a script to read or anything. Well, I'm impressed. (laughs) So in today's episode of Lighthearted, we're going to have two segments. First, we're going to southeastern Massachusetts to talk about Ned's Point Lighthouse. Then we're going to look at something very interesting that happened in Washington State a couple of months ago. It's a story I think people will enjoy. But first, Cindy, please help me tell our listeners about Ned's Point Lighthouse. Sure, Jeremy. The town of Mattapoisett is located a few miles east of New Bedford in southeastern Massachusetts. With a large harbor on Buzzards Bay, Mattapoisett developed as a center for shipbuilding, whaling, and coastal trade. With the support of the Massachusetts Congressman and former President John Quincy Adams playing a vital role, Congress appropriated $5,000 on March 3, 1837 for a lighthouse at Ned's Point at the north side of the entrance to Mattapoisett's Harbor. The lighthouse was first lighted in March 1838. The conical lighthouse built of stone from a nearby beach originally had a birdcage-style lantern holding a system of lamps and parabolic reflectors that exhibited a fixed white light 41 feet above the sea. An unusual architectural touch in the tower is the cantilevered granite stairway with 32 steps embedded in the inner wall without the use of mortar. After 17 years as keeper of nearby Bird Island Light, Toby Robinson became keeper at Ned's Point in 1912. His granddaughter, Hildegard Saunders, later remembered pushing her doll carriage along the shore at Ned's Point and popping corn on the furnace in the keeper's house. She told the New Bedford Standard Times, quote, I remember my grandfather sitting in a high back rocking chair watching over the water. I used to sit by him, unquote. The keeper's house was removed from Ned's Point in 1923. The house was loaded on a barge and floated across Buzzards Bay to Wings Neck Light in Bourne. The last keeper at Ned's Point, Russell Eastman, made the trip in his house. It's said that he cooked his breakfast on the way across the bay. 
The Coast Guard decommissioned the lighthouse in 1952. In 1958, the site, except the tower itself, was sold to the town of Mattapoiset. The lighthouse became the centerpiece of a beautiful park that was developed at Ned's Point. The light became active again with a new acrylic optic in 1961. In 1993, the local Coast Guard Auxiliary Flotilla adopted the lighthouse. Over the years, the Coast Guard Auxiliary members who cared for the lighthouse noticed lead paint, a rusting lantern gallery, and bullet holes in the lantern glass. Four auxiliarists founded the Friends of Ned's Point Lighthouse this year as a way to raise funds to restore the lighthouse to its original state. The group is raising the funds to remove lead paint from the tower's interior and to repaint the interior and the lantern gallery deck along with other restoration work. Sal Gelia and Bill Cody are two of the auxiliarists who started Friends of Ned's Point Lighthouse and I spoke with them in late September. Let's listen to that conversation now. I am speaking this afternoon uh, with Bill Cody and Sal Gelia of the uh, Coast Guard Auxiliary and the Friends of Ned's Point Lighthouse uh, in Mattapoisett, Massachusetts. Thank you so much, Bill and Sal, for being with me today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Ned's Point is a lighthouse I've certainly been familiar with for a long time. I've been there many times over the years. I'd like to just start a little bit by talking about how the two of you got involved with the lighthouse. I guess I'm up because Sal's looking at me. Okay, this is this is Bill, so you can go ahead. Bill. Bill Cody, yes. Several years ago, the people that were involved in the original adoption of this lighthouse, which was uh, the first to be adopted by a Coast Guard auxiliary in the United States, they retired from the Coast Guard auxiliary. We're looking for somebody to take over. I had never been to the lighthouse, had no knowledge of what was going on, so I asked what was to be involved. They told me, and I said, well, I'll have to think about it. And about 10 minutes later, I said, okay, I'll do it. So they gave me the keys, and uh, I promptly went down, opened the door, and fell in love with this place. It's uh, quite a thing, uh, having tours, taking care of it, preserving it. We quickly put a team together. Several other people that have been helping, uh, Bert and Betty Tarot, were still available. Jane Ulowitz, I think Warren uh, was part of it too, Warren Washburn. But anyways, we put together a little team. And we started having tours, uh, and my goal was to get the public more involved, get them there as, as often as possible. And many of the people that have come up in the past two years have expressed the fact that they've lived in the town of Mattapoisa for many, many years and have never been in the lighthouse, let alone go up the top. So we're really ecstatic that we have the opportunity to present this lighthouse to the public, educate them about the, per- the uh, purpose of the lighthouse, how navigation worked back then, and how important lighthouses were. So uh, we've had people from all over the world. We've had celebrities that have come over, and half the time we don't know that we- we've had a celebrity there until we look at the log book, the guest book, and said, oh, we didn't know that person was that person. Mm-hmm. We've had uh, weddings there. We've also opened the house for uh, uh, Halloween, and we've opened for Christmas the past two years. Hopefully with COVID uh, here, hopefully we can do something similar to uh, bring it out to the to the people. Sal joined us. He joined us, uh, I think it was the first year we had it, and he was up top during the first Halloween. He was a pirate up top waving a saber, and he had a rope with the uh, ghost hanging from it, swinging it back and forth. Uh-huh. It was really fun to see the people come have a good time. 
I learn about the lighthouse and um, especially the significance uh, to the history of the area, uh, which goes back to the trading, um, whaling. They built a lot of ships in Mattapoiset, so it was a very important harbor. Sure. Uh, that's how I got involved. Sal, do you want to say a little bit more about sure. how you personally got involved? Well, a few years ago, when I was, uh, we were at an auxiliary meeting and they needed some, asked if they, anybody would like to help at the uh, openings of the uh, tours. So I, I went over, got in my ODUs, operational dress uniform, and uh, as soon as I went in, I thought I was back at work, meaning in the old master painting business. Meaning I used, we used to visit churches where our museums, so we learned a lot not just by reading about art, but visiting churches and old historical buildings. So I sort of felt really good about taking part in this little venture of the tours that were going to be given to bring people up to see it. Also, I know Buzzards Bay quite well because I've fished it since 1976. So I can point out all the islands and where there unmarked rocks are mm -hmm. so uh basically uh since then like bill says i fell in love with going there i never get tired of being there you have a background in fine art restoration right uh yeah i'm wondering do you kind of see the lighthouse as a, a work of art in itself when i look at this the structure of the cupola is uh, a based on a greek type of architecture so there's a, a variety of things going on there that bring things to my attention. And again, it's the, uh, it's the mystique of the property itself that gives me a lot of uh, insight into where they uh, adopted some of the architecture from. Bill, I understand you've really got into the study of the lighthouse and its history. I think people would consider you the modern day keeper. And I'm wondering what really stands out for you about the lighthouse's history. What what makes it special, do you think? It reminds us of the, the whaling, the shipbuilding, the lumber coming out of Rochester being shipped out of that port. It just is a reflection back on the history when this country was being developed and the hard work that put, people put into developing our society. It's a compilation of all of that, the, just the history, the architecture, the fact that it has withstood the test of time, all the hurricanes, the whole structure of the building, it, what it means and what it can present to the public. It just fascinates me and drives me for this. One thing that makes it unique is the cantilevered stone stairway inside the tower. Would either of you like to comment on, on that stairway? Being cut from a hammock quarry, and if you read the history of the lighthouse, they really didn't put a whole lot of funding into it. The tower itself was made off from rocks off the beach, beach rubble, they called it. The uh, mortar in between uh, was basically sand with very little mortar mixed in it. They didn't put a whole lot of money into the construction of this thing. And when those steps were put in, they were mortised into the tower wall as they were building it. And on the far point, the center point, they just touched each other. So there's no support in between the wall and the end point. The, the steps are pivoting on each other on the end point, and then they're mortised into the wall. Uh, they're rough cut. Some of them are higher than others. Some are well, maybe three quarters of an inch sometimes. But for the most part, they're 
uneven. Uh, they're not finished. They're not polished. They're kind of unique because I don't know. I haven't seen any other lighthouse that has granite cantilevered steps in it. I have to say that the staircase is very, very mystical part of the experience of Ned's Point because you're going up into, you don't know where you're ending up and you end up on a staircase and you have to crawl through the hole and then through another hole. So the whole, the whole experience is very mystical and, and the architecture is part of that mystique. You have open, I know the lighthouse has been open to the public in the past. There's been open houses under the auxiliary in the past, or uh, I think for a while, was it Thursdays? Am I remembering that right? That's that was about it. right. Uh, Bert yeah. and Betty had reduced it to one day a week. As I said, they, they were getting up there in their years, and that's what they could do. Yeah. When we took it back in, I think it was May of two years ago, we decided that we would do as much as we could, sometimes as much as three times a week we're open. Uh, we're open two weekdays and on Saturday. Uh, we changed that to uh, two weekdays and every uh, the first Saturday of the month last year. And then this year with the COVID-19, uh, we're further restricted. Uh, last year, we were told to stand down by the Coast Guard because of a lead issue that was detected and in, in mostly all the lighthouses were tested and apparently a lot of them show lead uh, existing there. So we had to change that. We have not had any open tours. We've had uh, people that have come up and got married at the lighthouse, uh, but unfortunately we can't get them up, up top at this time. Right. Do you plan to, if things go as we all hope they go by next season. Do you plan to resume open houses next year? Absolutely. We're looking forward to it. First issue, obviously, is to uh, rectify the situation with the lead. The lead's got to come out. Mm -hmm. uh, as as uh, our one of our directors, uh, Joe DeWicky, said, we got to get the lead out. Yeah. Uh, so it's become our motto. We're working on that. So once COVID-19 goes away uh, and we can do tours again and the lead issue is resolved, we'll go right back to as many days a week that we can. The one issue that we have is that we need two auxiliarists to do a tour, one at the bottom and one at the top in the lamp room. And that's for safety reasons, so that at all times, visitors are under supervision of a Coast Guard auxiliarist. Is there lead contamination in the soil? Is that the problem? No, it's, it's in the building, in the paint. As uh, a lot of old buildings have the paints from back in the 40s and early 50s, lead paint was pretty popular. It's been covered over and sealed in the past. Uh, we're looking at just complete removal of the lead, so it's never a problem in the future for future generations to come and whoever's going to take over the lighthouse after we're, we're gone. Uh, you've touched on this already, but, but why did you decide to start uh, the Friends of Ned's Point Lighthouse? As a Coast Guard auxiliarist, we're under the Department of Homeland Defense, and we are prohibited from soliciting any funding. Uh, we can't take donations. We were trying to find a way to get donations or uh, get people to come in and do work. There's uh, bullet holes in the glass up top. There's uh, pieces uh, of, they're not integral pieces of the lighthouse, the lamp room itself, but there's pieces that are missing. But anyway, you want to replicate those. So the question is, how do we get funding if we can't raise funds? 
So I looked at a few other lighthouses and people were telling me that, hey, there's friends of Nopska Lighthouse, there's friends of this lighthouse, friends of that. We figured, okay, so we're going to form a separate organization that's not linked to the Coast Guard Auxiliary. And its sole purpose is to raise funds for contractors and for suppliers to come in. They can donate funds uh, to, for, for contractors or materials and that uh, they would become um, donors and perhaps even members, if they wish, of Friends of Ned's Lighthouse. Through that process, that's how we figured that we would put a group together, see what we can do to help out the situation. Uh, we don't want to change the lighthouse. We want to help preserve it as Friends of Ned's Lighthouse. We just want to be supportive of the uh, effort to preserve and restore it. What else is there that needs to be done? Uh, there's just minor stuff, just touch up here or there, uh, maybe a little welding on a railing, but mm -hmm. uh, all of that's minor compared to the lead issue. There right. is nothing structurally wrong with the lighthouse. The catwalk's fine. And that's all been tested for lead. That's clear. So we're, we're excited that we finally got off the ground with this uh, organization called the Friends of Ned's Lighthouse. And uh, we're kind of swimming in deep waters all of a sudden. And it's like, wow, this is really taking off. It's really going to happen. When Bill said uh, about creating Friends of Ned's Light, uh, I was uh, involved uh, for 10 years in raising funds for nonprofits such as the Shriners, uh, American Medical. So I thought this was a great opportunity to bring what I learned back in the 80s to do something with Ned's Point. It's something that, I, you know, it's part of art and uh, nonprofit. I'll tell you, in my experience, fundraising is the hardest part of the whole the whole yeah. thing, and it's the part I I dislike the most. But uh, it's great to have somebody like you who has some background in that. I can't tell you what a what a help that is for any organization. Do you have a ballpark amount of money that's needed? Uh, I guess the lead paint re remediation would be the largest amount you're looking at. But do you have any idea how much money that's going to cost and the other work also? Right now, Sal's working on um, looking at a general contractor. Once that's accomplished, uh, we can go and look at a further budget. We have some ideas, ballpark figures, but nothing definitive. We, we need to know where we have to apply that first. Obviously, it's the lamp room. But once a general contractor is established, that will come in and give us estimates, and we'll see what we're looking at. And then we come up with projections on uh, different projects, how far they're going to go, how much it's going to cost to uh, bring it back up to speed. Now, all this is according to the, light, the Coast Guard, of course. It's their house. We're maintaining and keeping it for them. So, you know, we hope that this is a win-win for them, too, because we want to see it preserved, and uh, we don't want to see anything happen bad to it. So, Right now, with the paint deteriorating on the outside of the lighthouse, uh, it's subject to wind and sand, and we don't want it to eat away between the rocks that form the structure of the tower itself. So that's of primary importance, too. That won't stop us from tours and events, but it, it needs to be done to help preserve this structure so that no damage occurs to it. Personally, I've been familiar with Nez Point Light for a very long time, going back to I don't know, probably 20, more than 25 years. I think it was possibly even the 80s when I first visited it. You know, I've known for a long time that the, the lighthouse and park mean a lot to people of that area. I wonder if either of you or both of you would like to comment on, on what the lighthouse really means to Manapoiset and to that whole area there. Well, I, uh, I've 
live been living in Marion quite a long time, and uh, I live about five minutes from the lighthouse. And I, a lot of people go down there uh, for a variety of reasons, it's sort of like a sanctuary mm-hmm. or a place to have a picnic or. There are so many different reasons people have yoga classes there. So there's a, it's almost like a, its own entity, a place where so much comes to uh, fruition for people and what the reasons why they go there. It's lighthouses are often almost like centerpieces for, for towns, uh, certainly the waterfront areas of towns. Well, like so many lighthouses uh, are unattainable because they're out in the water. This being attached to the land, people can actually go up to it, touch it. They have a good time in the park, like Sal said. Uh, It's something real and tangible to them. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a landmark. A lot of them don't know the exact history of it, but it's there. It's a Mattapoisett landmark, and uh, it's significant to them. And uh, I I know that when that light's not on, we get a call. (laughs) So people do pay attention, and uh, they love that lighthouse. Besides the uh, open houses that hopefully you'll be able to start up again next year, do you have plans for events involving the lighthouse? Well, we, we wanted to do, obviously, 4th of July is a big thing. We have been just decorating the lighthouse for the 4th of July. This year, we would hope to do a little bit more. There's uh, several car clubs in the area. I know that one time last year, there was a Jeep club that came down. Gosh, they had to have been over 70 Jeeps that came in and they parked there and they had a blast, you know, and they're all talking about their own Jeeps. Uh, if we could do something like that for 4th of July, perhaps even get the school band down there uh, for something. Again, it's all for the people. We want to just present this thing in the best possible light so that everybody can enjoy it. We'll go back to doing our holiday um, celebrations there and uh, perhaps, you know, like I said before, we we did a couple of weddings already. They were fantastic. They were very successful. We even did an, an anniversary there for uh, one couple. Surprised the heck out of her husband. She had no he had no idea that his wife was doing it. Uh, Joe DeWicky, one of the board of governor, uh, directors on Friends of Ned's Lighthouse, and he's a member of Flotilla Auxiliary Six Five out of Fairhaven. He's a uh, justice of the peace, and he had married a couple there. 10 years prior to that, so it'd be 12 years ago. And uh, it was his first wedding ceremony. And of course the lighthouse wasn't open. And this lady I was talking to, she got married at the, at the same year in front of the lighthouse, not by Joe, but a lighthouse wasn't open. So Joe and I said, Joe and I do tours together too. And, and I said, Joe, why don't we open a lighthouse so they can have their anniversary here? And he, she said, well, it's gonna have to be a surprise for him. So we did. He was thrilled, and uh, she wrote us a nice big thank you letter. And this is the kind of thing that we want to do with it: more openings, more people involved, get the public aware, let them enjoy it, have a good time. And uh, we have a height restriction for children going up the stairs and, and out on the lamp room. They have to be 10 years old or older to go outside onto the catwalk, and they have to be 48 inches tall to climb the steps and the ladder. But uh, we have had people 80 years old up there. They get through that little square door to get up onto the catwalk, and they love it. And they're up there, and they say they they hand us our, their cameras, and would you take a picture of us? Take, a, you know, it's just so much fun. These people enjoy it. That's what we want to do: open sure. it up as often as possible, and do a lot of safe, fun things, and let people enjoy this place. Sal, did you want anything to that? Yeah, uh, being at the top most of the time, 
people are amazed of the history of Elizabeth Islands, what went on in Cuttyhunk for many years, and the reefs and the lifeguard stations and the, the entire Buzzards Bay area to people that come up can actually get a, a bird's eye view, an airplane view of the entire area on a beautiful day. So there's just so much to offer coming up to the top. That's a really good thing to point out because Buzzards Bay is so historic and that lighthouse provides probably one of the best vantage points on it, as you said. So if people are listening to this podcast and they want to help financially or in any other way, but I'm talking about mainly financially, how how can people find out more? How can they help you? We uh, have started a website, Friends of Ned's Point Lighthouse. It's under construction. That website was pretty much donated to Friends of Ned's. And by going to the website, you can uh, make a donation to by check or by credit card, uh, and we'll help uh, build up the funds to do what we need to do. We also have a post office box, too. It's post office box 537 in Marion. I'm sorry, Mattapoisett. What's the zip code of Mattapoisett? 02739. So I have one final question for bonus points for both of you. And uh, you can toss a coin to see who goes first. But let me ask both of you, what's your favorite part of being involved with the Lighthouse? Well, my favorite part is, uh, again, the people that come to the United States for Fourth of July, that come from Japan and Sweden. The Lighthouse has been a plus for their experience coming to the United States. I've met so many wonderful people up there. And I have to say... There are many times I wish it was open so we could continue this fine project. Bill? The, the opportunity to preserve, restore, and present it to people, yeah, pretty much what Sal said. You see these people come over, and they just, they, they're just so eager to see it. They want to get in. They want to walk up those stairs. They want to climb out onto the catwalk. And they want to look around and see what Mattapoise it really looks like. They look at the harbor, look at over towards Woods Hole. And it's, it's just a gorgeous view. And that, that's my excitement. It's just presentation to the people. That's a, an answer I hear pretty frequently, that it's the, the uh, you know, helping to educate the public and meeting people from all over. That's a, such a highlight uh, when you're doing this work. So uh, Sal Gilia and Bill Cody, I want to thank you so much for spending this time with me today. And uh, I wish you all the luck in the world and congratulate you on the starting of the organization. And you've uh, made a lot of progress already. I look forward to uh, hearing news about restoration and all the, the things you have going on at the Lighthouse. So thank you guys so much. Thanks, Jeremy, for having Thanks, us on. Thanks, Jeremy. Again, the website that's being developed is friendsofnedspointlighthouse.com. There's also a Facebook page for Ned's Point Lighthouse. As I said in the interview, Ned's Point is a lighthouse I've visited many times in the past 30 years or so. It's a beautiful spot, and it's in good hands with the Coast Guard Auxiliary and the new Friends Group. Our next segment is something a little different. Back in July, I read an article online about something interesting that happened in the town of Graham, Washington. Graham is about 15 miles southeast of Tacoma. The story has to do with a faux lighthouse built in 2002 by Arnie Andrews, a retired tugboat captain living in Graham. 
At the time, Arnie Andrews was recovering from a stroke that had paralyzed the right side of his body, and he was looking for a project that would exercise his limbs. He said that lighthouses helped him find his way when he was a tugboat captain, so he figured a lighthouse in his yard would always help him find his way home. The 25-foot-tall lighthouse on the property of Arnie Andrews and his wife, Velta, doubled as a pump house for a well. And of course, like any good lighthouse, it had a light. The lighthouse was reportedly a source of inspiration for Arnie and Velta, along with their neighbors. But Arnie had more health setbacks, and climbing to the top of the lighthouse to change the light bulb became impossible. On July 15th, a medical alert was triggered at the Andrews home, and a crew from Graham Fire and Rescue immediately showed up. It turned out that there was no medical emergency, but what happened next is pretty special. One of the responders was Andy Fabian. I had a chance to speak with Andy Fabian recently, and I want you to hear him tell the rest of the story. Let's listen to that conversation now. I'm on the phone with Andy Fabian, who is a firefighter in Graham, Washington. Thanks so much for spending some time with me today, Andy. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I understand you're actually a full-time firefighter with the town of Graham, but you have some family history, and your history goes back fairly far with the fire department there. Is that right? Yeah. I started as a volunteer firefighter in 1996, uh, working for my father, who had been the lieutenant at our station number two, for, I guess he started in the early 80s. He started as a firefighter uh, at Station 2. And in 1996, I was something like 17 years old. And I started as a training apprentice under him at Station 2. And in 2001, I was hired full-time. And I've been a firefighter with Graham uh, full-time for the last 20 years. And I've really enjoyed my job. In fact, I was promoted uh, to lieutenant in 2007. And I guess that means I've been a lieutenant now for going on 13 years. Uh, let me ask you, has Graham been affected by the, the widespread fires on the West Coast recently? We have been. Uh, there were two fairly large fires in our immediate area. One actually occurred in our fire district, and that was one where we had 100-plus acres that were affected and eight dwelling units. It is probably one of the largest incidents that we have had in our history. Well, all of us uh, out here in this part of the country are certainly uh, hoping and, and praying that, that uh, everybody on the West Coast starts getting past all that. It's been tough to see uh, for everybody. So good luck, and uh, I hope you don't have anything else to deal with like that. Well, I do, too. It, it, of course, is a big surprise for us. I know that the eastern side of our state is accustomed to having wildland fires because it's a much drier area. But uh, on the coast, the western part of the state, we're not accustomed to having large fires like that. And so when they occur, they are very significant. If we could shift gears a little bit, I'd like to talk about what happened back in July, uh, which really got my attention when I read about it in a couple of news articles. In mid-July, I think it was July 15th to be exact, you got a call to go to the home of Arnie and Velta Andrews because there was a, a medical yep. alert signaled some sort of medical emergency. And could you pick up the story there and describe what happened when you arrived at their house? Sure. Uh, like you said, we were dispatched for an automatic medical alarm. And, and what that is, it's usually a uh, wrist bracelet or a pendant that somebody wears around their neck or wears on their wrist, obviously. And when there's a medical emergency, they can activate that by pressing the button. And I can tell you that it happens, I wouldn't say all the time, but it happens irregularly where someone will accidentally bump that wristlet 
or they will push the pendant accidentally, and we get called out. And in this case, uh, we were en route to the, the call, and my firefighter, Tyler Schaff, uh, who rides, uh, we refer to it as backwards, but in my fire engine, it actually faces forward. So I have myself uh, sitting in the officer's seat, and I have a driver, uh, and then I have Tyler behind me. And she says, as we were en route to this address, oh, gee, I hope it's not that, that nice little old couple. And I said, oh, because she had worked a shift that I wasn't there. And she said, yeah, we went to this, this couple in that area, I think, relatively recently. She said, they're the ones with a lighthouse in their yard. And when she said that, I thought it was kind of an odd comment, uh, obviously not having been there before myself. And I'm picturing, she said, a lighthouse in their yard, a small six-foot uh, garden type of, of wooden lighthouse. And, and like I say, when, when she said it, it was so specific. And I just thought it was kind of an odd thing. But I said, well, well Obviously, see when we get there, uh, as we came down the road and turned into the driveway, of course, it became apparent why she had specifically referenced the lighthouse, because here we are looking at a 25-foot high, evidently functioning uh, lighthouse, and a fairly fairly impressive thing to see uh, coming up the driveway there. And we pulled into the driveway, and we saw Arnie and Velta sitting on the picnic table, and they were drinking lemonade, it looked like, and they turned and looked at us, and of course, it I assume they had been doing yard work that day because the lawn was freshly mowed. And they turned and looked at us coming up the driveway, and they both had a very confused look on their face. And we pulled up and parked and got out and uh, approached them. And, and they, you know, they said, hey, well, what's going on? And I said, well, evidently uh, there's a medical alarm here. And both of them just went, oh, my God, so sorry. And I, I don't know who had the medical uh, alert device, but they were both very apologetic. And of course, there wasn't a medical need for us there. And they felt real bad. And Velta actually told us, stay right there, stay right there. And she ran into the house. And believe it or not, she came out uh, with a with a box of ice cream to give us because she felt <laughs> guilty. And of course, I'm, I'm struggling. As, I mean, you, we're not allowed to accept gifts. And and we didn't want to be ungracious. And I took the box of ice cream and said, okay, well, we'll get out of here. But as we were about to, to leave and turn around, I, I felt that it was appropriate because there was no medical need for us to be there. I felt it was appropriate to, to ask the question about the kind of the elephant in the room, which, which was this large lighthouse in the yard. And I've found in my years of working there that when appropriate, if you see something unusual, usually people are excited to talk about that, whatever it is. And so I, I asked Sal, I said, Sal, tell me about this lighthouse. And of course, she just really lit up. And she turned to Arnie and started telling us the story about how he had been a tugboat operator for many years down on the Tacoma waterfront and then had retired and in retirement had suffered a stroke. And in his physical therapy, his his uh, attempt to return to normal after the stroke, he had decided to build this lighthouse. And she actually pointed to the, the barn adjacent to the house and said, well, that's where he started building it. And he, he built it on its side and ultimately uh, described to us the process of, of getting it out of the barn and, and tipping it upright and, and having it having it stand there. And it, it was really neat to, to see the, the uh, enthusiasm that they had for what they had built and, and how proud they were of it. I heard the story and then I, I said to her and Ernie, I said, well, does it, does it function? Does it, does it light up? And she said, oh, yes, well, of course it does. Yes, yes, of course. And then she kind of paused and said, well, yeah, it, it did. She said it hasn't in a couple of years. She says that, you know, we've kind of gotten to the age where we're not really comfortable climbing up the ladder anymore. Uh, but it did, it did light up, you know, a couple of years ago. And I'm standing there and I'm thinking, this is a great story. And, and this is a really nice couple. 
And it occurred to me that I have ladders on my on my rig. And if it was something that I could do in a relatively quick manner without jeopardizing anybody, if they had a light bulb, I could offer to, to help them change that light bulb by utilizing my crew. And he turned to my crew and made sure that it was something that they were comfortable doing. And so uh, I made that offer to Velta. Of course, she lit up again. She ran into the house and, and grabbed a light bulb. And then uh, Arnie uh, walked us over and kind of gave us a tour of the of the lighthouse and showed us how he had designed it so that it had a ladder that went up the inside of the lighthouse and described to us how to how, how the light bulb would be installed. And I, I looked at the ladder and felt that it it maybe was a little older or I, I wouldn't say rickety, but certainly an old enough ladder that I wasn't 100% sure that I was comfortable putting my crew on. So we actually took one of our smaller ladders and stabilized the base of the ladder so that we could safely access the interior. And Gianni Bigelow, my firefighter, uh, climbed up while Tyler held the held the ladder solid at the at the base and with the light bulb uh, had the opportunity to climb up into that thing and, and change that light bulb. That is so great. You know, I've looked at pictures uh, in the news stories. The lighthouse itself looks looks really nice. It's definitely one of the more, it's one of the taller and better looking faux lighthouses I've I've ever seen. And it's, it's certainly one of the, <laughs> the uh, tallest ones I've ever seen. And it was very stoutly built. I mean, he, it was evident that he had taken time to acquire good materials and, and really build a, a solid a solid structure. And I believe I saw a picture of uh, Gianni climbing the, the ladder in there, too. Oh, yeah, I bet you did. So how did Arnie and Velta react when they got their light changed in the lighthouse? They were very grateful. I mean, that's something that I don't know that anybody really expects. And I can tell you, as, as the officer on the engine, I don't expect to go out and change light bulbs and <laughs> lighthouses on a regular basis. But it, but it kind of felt like the right thing to do in that moment when when it was clear there was no medical need for us there. And uh, you know, if it was something that we were able to do, I felt like we we could make that offer, and they and they were very grateful. Uh, it it happened, and I think you read in the article that uh, Arnie had been a volunteer with Graham Fire and Rescue right. uh, a number of years previous, and and I didn't know that. I I'd never met Arnie or Velta before, and I wasn't aware that he had been a volunteer firefighter. So it was also kind of a uh, a way to pay him back for his years of service uh, by by having the fire service, the fire department, his fire department. Uh, change that light bulb in his lighthouse because we had the opportunity to. Oh, absolutely. That is a, a great tie-in that he was a, actually a volunteer firefighter himself. So at this point, is the light still burning at night? To my knowledge, it is. We found out, I guess, a shift later that uh, I think it got dark around nine o'clock and, and it has a uh, photoelectric sensor that he had installed on it. And it got dark around nine o'clock and they sat out and actually waited for it to come on. And I guess it came on around 9.30 or a quarter of a 10 uh, when it finally lit up. And, and to my knowledge, it is still lit to this day. Are there any uh, plans in place, any sort of schedule or anything, or a plan to keep an eye on it and change it again when it when it needs it? I don't know that there's anything official. I think it's something that I'm going to kind of keep in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. And, and if Delta already call one of these days and say, hey, how are things going? Just checking in uh, sort of thing. And of course, we like to meet people that way yeah. than, than in the official capacity when, when somebody needs us for a medical need or, or a fire or a, uh, something significant. So it's always, it's always nice to, to meet people in a, in a less than official capacity. And that, I think that will be my intention is just to kind of call and check out, you know, sure. check in on them. Well, I'm sure they really, really appreciate it. So how is Arnie doing these days? 
It sounds like he's uh, doing as well as he was last time we were there, uh, which is which is to say good. This is such a great story. You know, I when I first uh, read it, I thought I'd like to do something on the podcast about it. This is pretty special. Again, I've never this podcast usually features stories of lighthouse history and actual you know government lighthouses that are being preserved and that sort of thing. I never covered a, a so-called faux lighthouse before, but I just thought this was a really special story. I just always think that in general in life, small acts of kindness make such a big difference. And I think what you and your fellow firefighters did was a a really beautiful, maybe not that small act of kindness. And uh, I think it's just a, a touching story to read about that. Well, Jeremy, I appreciate you saying that. It was a it's it's definitely a unique opportunity. I working in Graham as long as I have never dreamed I'd be changing a light bulb in a lighthouse. Uh, but it was a it was just a one of those circumstances where all the pieces came together and we had the opportunity to make it happen. And uh, it's been it's been really positive for our department, as you can tell. Uh, there was some very good public relations that came as a result of it. And that was never our intent from the outset. It just uh, felt like the right thing to do in the moment, and, and we were able to do it. Congratulations on becoming a lighthouse keeper, along with being a uh, <laughs> lieutenant in the fire department. So you're wearing two very uh, important hats there. And thank you so much for spending time with me today. I, I really do appreciate it. Thanks, Andy. You bet you, Jeremy. Our thanks to Andy Fabian, Sal Gilia, and Bill Cody for today's interviews. And of course, thanks as always to the members, staff, and volunteers of the U.S. Lighthouse Society and all its chapters and affiliates. Go to the Society's website at uslhs.org to learn more about the group tours, passport program, research catalog, and everything the USLHS has to offer. Donations and membership support this podcast and all of the Society's educational activities. Also, membership gets you the Society's quarterly journal, The Keeper's Log, which is full of interesting stories about lighthouse history. Sincere thanks to everyone everywhere who is working to save lighthouses and any kind of history. Your work matters, and we're all on the same team. A shout out to the volunteers and members of the Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses and all the chapters of the American Lighthouse Foundation. And another shout out to members of the Friends of New England Lighthouses Facebook group. And, of course, thank you, Cindy, for being a great co-host. As always, thanks for listening, and keep a good light.